Thank you, Jesus. So if you want to open your Bibles, we'll get here in just a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23. I want to tell you a little bit about a, a me, the meeting uh, that we had last Sunday afternoon at True Light uh, Christian Fellowship right over here. Um, man, what an, what an awesome time uh, that we had. And if you, you aren't aware, last, last Sunday, uh, Pastor Roy Smith, uh, the pastor over there, called a kind of a, just a spontaneous gathering to just seek God for, you know, racial, racial reconciliation and unity in the church. Uh, and really, the, the whole point of, of, of the evening uh, was, was, well, besides, if you know Pastor Roy, he likes to bring a challenge. So he first brought a very intense challenge to us, and I appreciated that. Uh, but then we just took time to pray. And we were praying for several things. He invited us to pray over several prayer points. Let me, let me go ahead and, let me go ahead and read those for you. Uh, if you weren't able to be there or be online, um, And they were prayers of repentance. And so what we did was we took, then we just took time and anybody in the room who wanted to pray, prayed. And so we, we prayed for, I don't know, this meeting started at four and, uh, we probably started praying about 4.45. I would say we were praying till 6.30. I'm just guessing. I wasn't looking at my clock. I just looked at it at the end. I'm just totally estimating. In other words, we prayed for a long time. Because now, more than ever, we need to pray. Amen? I mean, if there was never, if there was ever a time where we were going to be like, okay, let's, let's go ahead and take a little bit extra time to pray, um, what does God have to do to get your attention is my question. What does he have to do to get your attention? If, you're, if he doesn't have your attention yet, uh, I'm not sure what, what it's going to take. Uh, as all those memes on fe- Facebook say, you know, what, what chapter of Revelation are we living today? Uh, you know, and that's kind of funny, but we are getting closer to the end times. Every, every day we, we take is, is, a, is, a, is one step closer to the return of Jesus. That's a good thing. The return of Jesus is a good thing. And so it says there's going to be terrible times before he comes, but he is going to come. And he's going to return, and he's going to be worshipped in all his glory, and all his enemies will be put under his feet. And we're going to be with him forever. So these are the prayer points, and I just share these to you to keep you informed, to keep you, uh, to keep your 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 spirit in tune with what is going on in the body of Christ, at least in Midland. Uh, you know, there was a, what, couple hundred people maybe there that, that gathered at this gathering. So it wasn't like a gigantic gathering, but there were representatives of quite a few different churches. Uh, there were quite a few different, you know, there was all kinds of different colors of people there. It was great. It was a, it was a meeting of, of all kinds of humans. 
So we prayed for this, repentance, these are serious, just so you know, repentance for a lack of interest and pursuit in relationship with others of a different ethnic makeup. Hi. (laughs) So, in other words, and I've seen somebody else post this, it's not just enough to not be racist. God is calling us to actively oppose racism. So repentance for a lack of interest and pursuit in a relationship with others from a different ethnic makeup. And if you know Pastor Roy, you know that he's calling every race to that. Uh, He doesn't preach to white people one way and black people another way and Hispanics another way. Uh, He's preaching to everybody, and he says, I've got enemies of every color and ethnic group (laughs) all over the place, and I've got friends of every color and ethnic group all over the place, Uh, and I know that's true. Repentance over the secret sins of racism in the home taught by the guardians of the home. Repentance for allowing the cultural sociology of the world to inform our theology. Repentance to God over the church not modeling the righteousness of the gospel. And repentance for poor pastoral leadership that has ignored the ugliness of racism in the pulpit. And then we had one person pray who said, Lord, I repent for myself as one who is not in the pulpit, but who is a member or a member of the laity, as they say in more traditional churches, who is a lay member of the church when I have not supported and engaged my leadership with the heart of God, basically. So we repented for quite a while. It was, it was serious prayer. For those of us that were there, there was about seven or eight of us, I think, from our church. Um, thank you thank you for coming for just a spontaneous afternoon meeting. Man. Um, and so we, we, we just prayed. We, we, just, we just sat before God. There was, there was no rush. I mean, that was the, th- the great thing. There was, no, there was no hurry. It wasn't like, okay, we got to get to this. And then we took communion together. And then we were invited up for those of us that wanted to wash someone else's feet of a different color. To come up to the front and we washed each other's feet. It's not the full breakthrough, but it can be a beginning of something. It can be a stake in the ground where we say we're going we're to stand against that in, in our city, in our community. We don't have to get wrapped up in all kinds of political stuff that's going on. Look, it's it's not about getting a a part of a cause that's going on in the world. It's about lining ourselves up with Jesus and what he's doing. Sometimes it intersects with the world. Sometimes they're on the right page, maybe for the wrong reasons or whatever, and that's fine. But our concern is what is Jesus calling us to do as the church? As, As the people of God, what is he calling you to do? Uh, what is what is he what is he challenging you with? Uh, we're not expecting the world to look like the church. You don't expect 
people who aren't followers of Jesus to act like followers of Jesus. But what Jesus does expect is that followers of Jesus act like him. And we had to repent because we aren't, we aren't there yet. Not just in that area, there's other areas. This is not the only area, it's just one, you know, that's being highlighted right now, that's being stirred up. Uh, and when the enemy's stirring things up, you know what? That always means, hey, what is, what is God doing? What, what, what is going on? It's not like, you know, God was already doing things to bring healing and reconciliation and things got stirred up because the enemy will always oppose what the, what the God, what God is doing. So I just want to encourage you that good things are going on. That there was a, there was a meeting here in Midland. There was probably some other meetings we didn't know about. There's, there's other things we don't know about that are not going to show up on the news. There's flashes here or there of good things, but they're not going to come on the news. But the heart of God and the power of God and the kingdom of God are going forth all over the earth. Make no mistake. Don't get confused by watching the news. That rhymes, I guess. <laughs> Don't get confused by watching the news. Get in the word of God. Get in the presence of God and hear what he is saying. And let him challenge you. Let him change you. Let him transform you. And I think one of the things that was so powerful uh, last Sunday was, you know, we took communion together. And that's what we're going to focus on today. Is I'm, we're just going to look at some scriptures on the body of the Lord and the blood of Jesus. And then we're going to make a declaration together as we take it. Ushers who are worrying, the elements are already out in the chairs, okay? <laughs> Everybody's like, we didn't prepare communion. <laughs> See people are like, uh-oh. <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. We ordered the portable ones, so we might as well use them, right? <laughs> so... The body and the blood of Jesus meet every need. Every need. If there is something that our world needs, Jesus has already paid for it. We don't, we don't have to ask God to do something new. And I'm not saying God doesn't do new things you, you all understand that, I'm sure. But the point in the matter is this. Jesus said, it is finished. He wasn't joking. He wasn't, he, it wasn't just a cool statement. It wasn't like a, a phrase to put on pictures so we could hang it on our wall and have a picture of a cross and say it's finished. No, it, it meant that he really said, okay, this is what I was called to do, and I finished the work. And now my work is going to be worked out in all creation until I return. Everything that God is doing right now is to bring people in right relationship with Him. If He has to do it through an issue like 
prejudice and racism, then he's going to do that. If he's going to do it by freeing you from addiction to drugs and alcohol, then he's going to do that. If he's going to do it by healing your heart from abuse that happened when you were young, then he'll do that. If he wants to do a miracle in your marriage of restoration and reconciliation, then he'll do that. If he wants to set you free from the bondage in your mind of thoughts that overwhelm you, then he'll do that. But he is bringing you into reconciliation, into right relationship with him because that's where things happen. That's the only place where wholeness can be released. If you have brokenness in your life, it's because Jesus' work on the cross, his death and resurrection has not been allowed to penetrate into that area yet. It could be God's timing. It could be he's like, I know you're not ready, so I can't go there. God's good. You know, he doesn't bring up issues that he knows you're not going to deal with. But if God's bringing up an issue, you can be, you can be sure that God says, you're ready. You're, you're now ready. If God is dealing with you on something, you're ready to be transformed. That's exciting news. That's why it's so good when God convicts our hearts, when he moves upon us and says, something has to change. And he, it's always us. <laughs> God, no, it's not, it's not you, Lord. It's, he's like, no, you're going to change. And I'm going to transform you. And I'm going to take what happened in my body and what I purchased with my body and my blood. And I'm going to put it in your body and in your mind, in your spirit, in your emotions, in your relationships, in your way of thinking, in your present, in your future. And it's going to wipe away anything in the past that would keep you from me. And so now you are set for all eternity with Jesus. Let's read 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 26. There are no scriptures on the screen, so you're going to have to open your Bible. You're like, oh, yeah, she told me that earlier. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 11, verse There's going to be a lot of scriptures. You may want to get a notepad out, your phone out, your pad or tablet that you can take notes because I won't have us turn to all the scriptures, but I will read them. And this is the Apostle Paul who, remember, was, was not at the Last Supper. But Jesus told him about the Last Supper. So that tells me whatever Jesus told the Apostle Paul about is pretty important. He said, this was important enough that I'm going to tell you what happened that night, even though you weren't there. Uh, for, he, for Paul says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. In other words, he didn't just talk to Peter and John and say, tell me about the Last Supper. No, it says he got it directly from the Lord Jesus. So Jesus himself said, Paul, this is important. I need to tell you about this. I've told you about a whole lot of stuff. And Paul writes all about them through, all throughout the scriptures. Uh, but he says, look, this is important. I received this from the Lord. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, 
This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And look at verse 26. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's a pretty interesting statement right there. I'm not even going to say that I even know all of that means. I've read it since I was, you know, three or whatever. Well, I couldn't read it three. Uh, whatever age I learned to read at. Five, well, back then it was six, I think, right? First grade. We used to read in first grade. Now they do it in kindergarten. I guess kids are smarter now. Um, so whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There is a proclamation aspect to us sharing in the Lord's table. We get to declare to the world that we belong to somebody else. And that we are willing to do something that to outsiders might seem foolish. I mean, if you really think about it, I've been in church so long since, well, since I was conceived, okay? You know, sometime soon, I was in church from, I mean, my parents grew up a part of the church, leading the church, being involved in the ministry, being involved with people. And so I've, I've you know, how many times have I taken communion? A whole lot. Not as many as Paul or Miss Dorothy or, you know, some of the rest of you, but pretty close, I mean, when I was, a, my dad was a pastor, one of the perks of being a pastor's kid was after the service, you got lots of grape juice. I mean, you and your brother, I mean, let's, I just, you just want reality, right? You go in the back and you know what you do? <laughs> How many did you get? I got 10. <laughs> Man, I'm, I got loaded on the blood of Jesus, okay? <laughs> You know, I didn't understand what it meant. I probably didn't know what was going on. But, boy, it was great to have an extra snack and some juice to drink. And it, but So I've, I've done this a long time, and so it's, it's normal to me. I mean, what you, I mean, if we've been following Jesus for a while, that's nor, it's normal to us, right? I mean, we think, oh, there's no clue. But we don't realize when someone who is outside, who has no church experience, who has no church history, and we come in and we're all like, handing out bread or we're tearing out big pieces of bread or you get the little things that taste like mints or look like mints but don't taste like mints or whichever way people do them. And today we're going to do it like the totally new school way. It's like comes in a package and it's like ready to go. It's, it's really strange. And, the, and people are like, why, why are we doing this? And people like give people a little, you get a little thing of juice now. And like, okay, the juice thing. What would it <laughs> I mean, if you think about it from the outside, so it's like really strange. And we believe that while we're doing this, that Jesus is doing miraculous things, that he is, he is showing up, he is present, he is, he is imparting his life into us, he's restoring things that need to be restored. But if you're on the outside, you're looking in, you're like, you're going to eat a cracker and drink like one slurp of juice and that's going to do something for you? Just want to give you a perspective that's from the, the outside. Sometimes we get so used to being on the inside that we don't realize the outside. And so we are doing something that takes a huge amount of faith. 
you are doing an act of faith when you take communion. You're saying, I'm believing that, again, it's not turning into the very body of Jesus, but I'm believing that by taking this bread, I am receiving the very life of Jesus into all of who I am. And when I drink this cup of juice, or if you happen to actually use wine, when I drink this cup, then I am actually receiving into myself the life of Jesus through his blood. It's an act of faith, but everything in the kingdom, what, is activated by faith. So when you, whenever you drink this, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are entering into the faith realm. You are entering into a transaction in the spiritual realm. There is something powerful going on. This is not just a ritual. This is not something you just do on a certain Sunday every month. And just as a reminder, as we teach in our foundations class, you get to do this whenever you want. For years, most of us, I think most of us in church, we've only done it in a church gathering. Boy, have we missed out. Not all of us. I'm just saying some of us. And it's mostly because we just didn't know. We just thought that's, you know, in the really super traditional part of of church, it's not allowed for anybody else but the leaders to serve communion. But... It's not, that's not in the Bible. So, uh, and Jesus invites us and says, guess what? You're now all a part of the body of Christ. So that means you can come to God's table anytime. And can you imagine if you could just sit down at a table with Jesus anytime? We would, I would do that a whole lot more. Right? You're like, let's, let's sit down at the table you know, who wouldn't have, want to have a cup of coffee with Jesus? Who wouldn't want to sit around and talk with Jesus? Who wouldn't want to have Jesus serve them some food? Now, he's not serving us physical food, but he is serving us spiritual food. What did Jesus say in John 6? John 6, he said, my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. So reality is found at the Lord's table. You find what is really real in the body and blood of Jesus. So I want to read some scriptures. I want to to just look at some scriptures here. Here's some scriptures about the body of Jesus. Hebrews, again, I'm not going to have you turn there, so don't try to turn to all these. I'm going to read them a little more quickly. So Hebrews 10.10. Hebrews 10.10. It says, and by that will... We have been made holy, listen to this, through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Through the body of Jesus, you've been made holy. You have now been set apart. You are now totally unique. You are set apart for the purposes of God now. You have been purified of everything. You are now holy in God's sight because of the body of Jesus. Verse 20, Hebrews 10 and verse 20 says, He has opened up by a new and living way, opened up for us through the curtain that is His body. In other words, the way, what was the curtain representing? Anybody know? Okay, yeah, it was, it was the, 
the, the curtain that stood between the people and the presence of God, right? In the Old Testament, you had the Holy of Holies, and the high priest could only go in there once a year. Once a year, and he had to have a sacrifice with him to make the, the sacrifice uh, for that year for the people. They did other sacrifices, but the one in the Holy of Holies only happened once a year. And there was a thick, heavy curtain, or it was called the veil, but it was really like a thick curtain that separated everybody from the presence of God. And now it says there's a new and living way open to the very presence of God. How is that open? Through the body of Jesus Christ. That he has now opened a new and living way through his own body. So now I have, because of the body of Jesus, I have access to the holy presence of God. Romans 7, 4 says this. So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ so that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. You are now dead to rules and regulations running your spiritual life. You're not, you're not required to do that. Did you know that? Oh, where's this going, right? <laughs> you don't have to keep the Ten Commandments to get to heaven. People are looking shocked right now. They're looking worried. Somebody get a seatbelt. Cooper, if, slap me if I get off track, okay? <laughs> but think about this. You don't get to heaven... Because of what you do. Your behavior does not show whether you make it to heaven or not. That's being saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith. Not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. So in other words, I'm dead to the law. In other words, that's not the controlling factor in my spiritual life now. But now as I belong to another, to him who is raised from the dead, in order that I might bear fruit for God. In other words, now my life is going to manifest the commandments of God because it's going to be a relationship. That's the new covenant. Is It's not about following a regulation and saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. Because the power of sin is in the law. If you try not to do something, you're probably going to do it. Have you noticed that? Try not to think about something and you're going to think about it. Because that is the power of the law. But Jesus set us free from the power of the law and the power of sin. When, he died, when his body was broken, we were set free from being tied to the law. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, I know that one doesn't specifically say the body of Jesus, but it implies the body of Jesus because it's saying the life I live now in my body is because of his body that was given for me. I live it by faith and he lives through me. That's pretty good stuff right there. That means I, 
the self that needed to be crucified is crucified with Jesus. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds or by his stripes, you have been healed. What does it say there? Because Jesus' body, he actually took on sin so that we can die to sin. In other words, I'm dead to you. And we got, you know, what, are, what do they call it now? We call it, we're in a cancel culture, right? Have you heard that terminology? Like we're now in cancel culture. What that, what, what is, well, I'm probably too old to understand what it is, but um, my understanding of cancel culture is this. Like once you, once you mess up, you're just dead to me. You're just like, forget it. You, you, you're off the grid now. I mean, that's why, like, we dig up things from people they said 25 years ago, and we're like, hey, man, you said that 25 years ago, and you're like, oh, oh my gosh, I said a lot of stupid things 25 years ago. Some of you are like, I said something stupid 25 minutes ago. (laughs) And so it is like, because you said that once... You're out. You have you have nothing to say in my life. You're you're not relevant. You're totally against me. And now it's it's the cancel culture. Now Jesus has a cancel culture too, but it's a positive one. He says, "Guess what? You're now dead to sin. That thing that had control of your life, canceled. The law that was you know the the charge written against you. It says in Colossians two fifteen, canceled. Your past comes calling, canceled." Jesus was the first one canceling stuff. <laughs> he canceled all the bad junk. He said, look, that's canceled now. All that stuff, death and hell forever, canceled for you that believe. So it says we might die to sins, and then what? Not just, we're not just dead to something, now we're alive to righteousness. Guess what? You get to live the right way by the power of God in your life. When you receive the body of Jesus, you're declaring your death to sin and your life to righteousness. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Now, if I've been crucified with Christ, guess what? I've been put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Because I'm now joined with him. Colossians 1, says, But now he has reconciled you by, guess what? How did We talked about reconciliation last week. How did he reconcile you? By Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. In other words, all of your accusers have been silenced. Everybody or everything of your life that would point the finger and say, you're not enough. You're, you're evil. You're cruel. You're wicked. You're, you're incomplete. You are less than. All those accusations are cut off by the body of Jesus because you've been presented without blemish in the presence of God. 
And Romans 8, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So that's some of the things. There's more scriptures. We could go a little bit further, but those are the ones I, I'm highlighting today. Um, through the body of Jesus. So when we take the bread later, we're going to make a declaration that has a lot of those scriptures and a lot of those truths in them. But know that, hey, this is, this is a big deal. This is, this is a huge deal that's going on. This is a spiritual transaction. And I myself am saying, God, help me understand the gravity of what's going on. Help me not minimize your work on the cross. So the blood of Jesus... So you got the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 2.13. Ephesians 2.13 says this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So when you take the, the blood of Jesus into your life, it's closeness to God. It's intimacy with God. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The purification for sin comes through the blood of Jesus. You know what? There's all kinds of people that are going to remind you of your past sins. But there is one, the, the one person that matters is never going to do that. Jesus is never going to come up and say, what about that? Hey, look, even in good marriages, sometimes we slip, slip our tongues and we go, we go back to what somebody did in the past, right? Remember when you said, first of all, that's not fighting fair, by the way. <laughs> that's not fighting fair. You're supposed to, you're supposed to fight fair. You fight, but you fight fair. As a Christian, as a believer in Jesus. Because it's unfair for me to talk to another Christian about their past sins if it's been covered by the blood of Jesus. If it's been taken care of. If you've said to them, I forgive you. And they say, I forgive you. Okay, it's under the blood of Jesus now, right? It's, it's gone. So if I choose to bring that up, I am doing something illegal in the spirit. I am acting out of lawlessness. Who's, who's the one who's lawless in the spirit? Satan, the devil. I mean, that's, he's twisting everything. He's being lawless, but Jesus is, is restoring wholeness and unity and reconciliation and redemption. And so I am working against the law of the spirit of life. I've been set free from the law of sin and death. I'm now walking in the law of the spirit of life. Guess what, people of God? We've been given more than we've lived up to. And it's not to condemn us, it's to say, look, look at what we've been given by Jesus. 
we have the opportunity to live it out. We have the opportunity to walk in the light with one another. Anyway, that was that was unexpected. That wasn't in the notes. <laughs> Therefore, for Hebrews 10 and 19 says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by what? The blood of Jesus. You know what? The blood of Jesus is your confidence to enter into the presence of God. Be confident that you belong in God's presence. If you think, oh man, I'm not worthy, guess what? It's not true. You can still think it. We can think not true things all the time. They're called lies. You're just thinking lies. What am I doing again? I'm lining myself up with the lawless one. I'm not lined up with the one who is truth. I'm lined up with the one who's the father of lies and who speaks lies as his native language. I mean, as believer, I mean, as, as a follower of Jesus, we would never, never say this statement, I'm going to line myself up with Satan. I mean, right? We don't like, you don't ever like just decide that. I mean, hopefully not. Um, I mean, you know, you know, but we sometimes choose to line ourselves up with something that he is aligned with. Most of the time I'm believing a lie. And so I'm lining myself with with a lie. What do I need to do? I need to have an encounter with the person who is the truth so I can get myself back to where I belong and who he says I am. So quickly, let's move on. Uh, And uh, Revelation 1 and 5. Is everybody doing okay with all these scriptures? I can send them to you later if you don't get them all written down. Revelation 1.5, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. We have been freed from our sins by the blood of Jesus. So when you take the cup and you're receiving the blood of Jesus, the representation of the blood of Jesus, you can think in your spirit, freedom! I mean, maybe you need to declare that over yourself when you take that. Say, I'm free. I am free. I'm free, and I'm going to live in freedom because of what? No, not because of me, not because I'm a good guy, not because I'm strong enough, not just because I have willpower. No, because of the blood of Jesus. I'm now free. Colossians 1 and 20 says this, Through Jesus, through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The peace of God Peace with God, excuse me, is released through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. Who was the one that needed to be made at peace with God? I was, like we talked about last week. I I was an enemy of God before I was a son or daughter of the king. I was his enemy. He wasn't my enemy. I was against him. And so there needed to be peace. When two enemies come together and reconcile and they're now friends, they make peace. You were an enemy, but now you're, if you're, When you receive Jesus and you make him your Lord and your Savior and you receive the benefit of his death and resurrection and ascension into your life, then you are now at peace with God. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches 
of God's grace. Jesus redeemed us. He bought us back. He purchased us. He chose to value us with the value of his own blood. And Father God chose to value you with the blood of his only son and said, you're worth this payment. And I'm going to buy you back out of sin and the clutches of death and hell and Satan with my son's very own blood. Romans 5 and verse 9 says, Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? In other words, what does justified mean? Justified has to do with my standing before God. And it means this. God sees me as if I'd never sinned before. I mean, we learned, I learned this one back in youth group. Justified means just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd never sinned. Think about the worst thing you've ever done. I mean, just for a second. <laughs> I mean, I've done, I've done, I mean, I, yeah, there's people that have done a whole, whole lot worse things. I mean, if we want to start judging ourselves, oh, I'm not that bad. But really, when we get alone and we, if we think about some of the things we've done to people or done to ourselves or the way we thought, we can go, oh, my gosh. They've been awful. We've done some awful things. Us sinners, saved by grace. We've done some horrific things to God and to other people. But because of the blood of Jesus, it's like that. I never did that. That's not a part of who I am. That's not a part of my past. It's not a part of my present. And it's not a part of my future destiny anymore. Because I have been justified by the blood of Jesus. One more scripture. And so Jesus also, uh, excuse me, let me tell you where it is. Hebrews 13, 12. Hebrews 13, 12 says this. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. And it, I find it interesting that both the body and the blood of Jesus set us apart unto God and make us holy. I mean, it's even hard to say this, but if you're, if you're a follower and believer in Jesus, you have a right to say, I'm holy. <laughs> now, you don't want to go proclaim that in the world because it can be confused because we don't want to be, you know, the, the oh, you're being holier than thou. Holiness is not about, you know, a competition. <laughs> like, I'm holy, first place. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, who wants to be, no one talks about second place, right? <laughs> I like first place. I'm a firstborn child. I made sure, I mean, firstborn children make sure they get first place in everything. It's it's the the right it's the birthright of the firstborn to go I can fix it so I can win everything my whole life against my siblings. Just remember for all those of you that are second, third, fourth, or fifth born, you have to forgive. <laughs> 
you're commanded to forgive, okay? Some of those things we did in ignorance. Some of them we did intentionally. That's all the first born. We just did it, and we're like, you know, I mean, one of the things I still even think about, and I probably need to repent of it, but uh, is this. I, I, I never lost one set of tennis to my brother. We used to ride our bikes when we were like even 12 years old. We'd, I mean, this is so weird now. It's like I'm so old that this was allowed. My parents would just let us ride our bikes to down the, the road to the tennis courts, and we'd play for three or four hours on Saturday mornings. And then we'd ride back home about, well, it's probably three-quarters of a mile or so, uh, maybe a mile, I don't know, down the road when we were 12, 13, 14, whatever. I don't know what age. And we would just, we'd just play, we'd play tennis for hours. Never lost once. I mean, I lost a game, but not a set. If you don't know how tennis works, it doesn't matter if you lose a game. It's you win the set, you win the match, okay? Not once. Now, there was one time where it was tied, and we were getting close to the end. And uh, I can't remember if it was my... uh, One of us got hurt. Probably me. I probably faked it, right? You know? (laughs) I rolled my ankle, man. This is you're like, oh, this is going down. We better stop this. Actually, I don't remember. Some, something happened that stopped. Uh, maybe my dad was even there with us. He probably stepped on a tennis ball or something, uh, and we had to take the old dude home. Um, <clears throat> he was like my age. <laughs> That's not what hol- holiness is. Not about one upping someone else. Holiness is about being purified and set apart unto God for a specific purpose. So it's okay for you as a believer in Jesus with the knowledge of the scriptures to say, I'm holy because of the bloody, because of the body and blood of Jesus. I'm holy. I belong in God's presence. That's the new that's the New Testament. Testament means covenant. That's the new covenant. That's what Jesus did. And we just we just touched the surface of what Jesus did. Isn't that encouraging to you? Does that like does that does that do something to you to have the scriptures read and to enlighten? So now as we come to his table, and there's no like physical table here, but there's a spiritual table set up. We're going to receive the benefits and the truth and the spiritual life in the body and the blood of Jesus. So those of you in the front row, you're going to have to get your own. Okay, if you're wherever you're sitting, there should be some in this. There's little slots in front of you that actually hold like communion cups. Some of you are like, I never even knew that. Look, I know these things are weird. I think they're weird. So, okay, so just... We'll let that go. This is maybe God's just trying to stretch our faith. We're going to do it in a different way. Oh, for those of you in the booth, I guess I should we should have thought about that. But uh, <laughs> so what we're going to do. You got you got to. If you haven't done this before, you got to. There's like two parts of plastic. The first one is the top one and tears out the bread. Okay. So I want you to take the bread out. And I want you to hold it. Bread, okay? This is an act of faith, Jacob. <laughs> Have you ever had the little mint things, too? Those are weird, too. Uh, these are definitely weird. Like You're like, this is not bread. I know it's not bread. <laughs> but Jesus is the bread of life. <laughs> 
So I've got a, I've got a declaration. I saw this. This is from uh, Upper Room in Dallas. Uh, pastor Michael Miller is the pastor. There's actually a church there, if you didn't know. It's not just a worship group that, that does prayer and worship. And I was watching this probably six months ago, and I was reminded of that uh, recently. I was like, we need, to, we need to do this declaration. And I wanted to write my own, and I, I got going, and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't working. I said, why am I trying to reinvent the wheel here? We're just going to use their declaration. So as we take the body of Jesus, we're going to declare some things together. And this is, pow- this, this is powerful. I'm, I'm believing this morning for something powerful to happen in the spirit, for there to be a shift. For some, some hearts, you need, you need a shift right now. You need something to just, you need a flip right now. And I'm believing that right now, as you're encountering the power of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, that you're going to receive that. By the way, if you're a guest and you're a follower of Jesus, you are welcome to participate in this. This is not, this is not just for our church. So we're going to, I want you to say this out loud with me. So we're going, to, we're going to say these words together as we take the body of Jesus. Thank you that your body took up my infirmities diseases, my chastisement, my affliction, my scourging, my rebellion, my iniquity, my transgression, my grief, my sorrow, my anguish, my guilt, my shame, and my condemnation resulting in your body taking on my death. I proclaim that you died my death. I proclaim that I was crucified with you and that I no longer live, but you live in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith because you gave your body for me. And now, glorious Father, I receive total healing and wholeness in my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my emotions, and my body. Father, I thank you for this bread that is the body of your Son and my Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that you took my sins, my cares, my worries, my sickness, and my diseases upon your body. Thank you that your body took on all that my body could not. This life... Healing and wholeness includes every organ, every cell, every joint, every ligament, every muscle, and every bone in my body. I declare your total provision for any and every need. I receive total healing for every function in my body. Okay. Is that it? Was that one through eight? I think I think some of them got out of order, but that's okay. Or did I did I mess it up? I apologize. Are the rest are the rest about the blood is what I need to know. <laughs> There's like only three or four on the blood. Thank you, Jesus. We're good. Let's go ahead and receive the body of Jesus.
So now let's take the cup. We're going to make this declaration as we take the juice, which represents the body of Jesus. Through the blood of Jesus, all my sins are forgiven and no accusation can stand against me. Through the blood of Jesus, I am justified, made righteous, just as if I'd never sinned. Through the blood of Jesus, I am sanctified, made holy, and set apart to God. As I walk in the light, the blood of Jesus is cleansing me from all sin now and continually. Internally, my conscience has been cleansed by your blood and alive to you, Holy Spirit. Through the blood of Jesus, I have confidence before God. I no longer have a conscience of sin, but of God who gave his son for me. The blood of Jesus speaks on my behalf, mercy, forgiveness, healing, and righteousness. Through the blood of Jesus, I have been redeemed. Bought back by Jesus, am no longer a slave to the law, no longer a slave to the power of sin, and no longer a slave to the power of Satan. I'm truly free by the blood. Media malfunction. Okay. <laughs> it's not their fault either. So I'm not saying it's their fault. It's probably my fault. Okay. And I declare, just repeat after me, I declare because of this blood, wholeness in my family, wholeness in my marriage, I thank you, God, that you are committed to my covenant with my spouse or future spouse forever. And right now, I thank you because of your covenant that you are working in my family, that salvation will come to my children and my grandchildren and those to come from my lineage. And I thank you, Jesus, that because of your body and blood, I have been made one with you. And I have been made one with every believer of Jesus. I have been made one with this local body of believers. And that you would join us together in unity, in love, in reconciliation, in redemption, and in mission. I give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I receive the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you just want to stand, let's just let's just give let's just give God some praise today. Let's just give him some honor. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Right now we honor you. We give you all the glory and all the praise. Jesus, it's because of you. 
It's because of your body and your blood that you have set me free, that you have purchased me, that you've forgiven my sins, that you brought me into the family of God, that you've justified me, that you purified me, that you've lifted me, Lord, that you have set me free from the law of sin and death. You set me free from the power of Satan. You set me free from the fear of death. You've given me a hope and a future in the present, now and forevermore. I thank you that my past is gone. My present is fulfilled and abundant, and my future is secure because of Jesus. And now, Father, as we go from this place... We go in covenant. We are in covenant with you. Lord, that means that all of your strength goes with us. All of your resources go with us. All of your wisdom goes with us. That you'll protect us. That you'll lead us. That you'll fill us. That you'll guide us. That you'll empower us. You will provide everything we need for every situation. The grace of God is in our lives. We declare that we have grace for today. That grace is sufficient for today it's going to be sufficient for the next day and the next day until you come or until i come to meet you and jesus we choose to live as those who have been reconciled to god and now we can reconcile the world to you by the body and the blood of jesus help us see everything and everyone through the body and the blood of jesus Change our perspective, God. Change our perspective, O Lord. Help us see from a heavenly perspective. Thank you that we can come to your table anytime. I pray, Lord, for some of us, maybe we need to do this once a day this week. Maybe we need to do this every single day. Help us respond to your call and not make this just a Sunday feel good. Lord, help us respond to what you're saying to us about your body and your blood and coming back to the basics of who we are in Christ and what the word of God says and living out everything that you have purchased for us on the cross. And so I, I, we thank you, Lord, for the power of Jesus being released in our lives everywhere we go. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You are blessed to go. Thank you for being here. We hope to see you on Wednesday night out at Sidwell Park uh, for Praise in the Park.